Nerds International proudly presents Welcome to the 3T RPG Podcast. I'm Harrison Hunt, and with me is Nick Lamley. Hello, Boglins. (laughs) This is an RPG show all about tabletop RPGs. It's a good day, isn't it? It's a good day to be alive. It's a good day to be alive in the capital. Exactly. So today, on today's show, we've got feedback, we've got what you're slaying, where we talk about what we've been playing, and we've got the main subject, which is going to be Chalt by Venger Satanis, and then we've got Dragon or Blagging, then we've got Dragon or Blagging, the Gadgetarium, and Electro Letters, where we talk about the worst games you've ever played in. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's do some feedbacks. Let's do it. Let's feed that backside. The feedback side. The feedback side. Yes, bitch. The feedback side. It's the feedback section. Yeah, we take your comments and read them out. Yeah, feedback, bitch. Okay, so the, the, obviously last episode we did an episode all about the time where Steve Jackson got raided by the US Secret Service. <laughs> and a lot of people uh, responded to this on Reddit. It's one of our most popular episodes I ever. I know, yeah, I can't believe it. So a lot of people a lot of people like conspiracy theories. Clearly, yeah, always Reddit, isn't it? We should just change and just change into a conspiracy theory podcast. Let's do it. We get some foiled hats. Yep. Coronavirus was done on purpose. It's been engineered by George Bush and McDonald's. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Plasman Thirty, he says, um, he says, as far as I know, Steve Jackson Games is the only company to be raided by the government, have all their computers seized and destroyed, but is still in business. Point. Yeah, I, I think that's probably about right. I got a point. Angry Zen Ingress. I've got, I've got. I love. I love the Reddit names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it's Reddit when you get into silly names. That's like that's the that's the sad thing because we usually get our questions from like Facebook, right? Yeah. You have to have these boring real, real names. P- real people names. But now we got Angry Zen Ingress of coming course. in, and he says, "I remember it well. It's how my email address ended up on yet another list." <laughs> yeah, because it was like, it was really crazy the, the the amount of sort of trying to dig into like people's backgrounds that the US Secret <laughs> Service did and did it terribly. Wow. Um, so if you haven't heard, listened to that episode, go and listen to it because it's very interesting. It is. It's Steve Jackson one. Games made a cyberpunk setting and got raided by the FBI. It upset a few of the FBI's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. FBI's joined the call. <laughs> Speaking of which, Corp Boy comes in. He says, "Good talk. A mm. good example of how the past can seem both absurd and everyone involved completely dumb, <laughs> purely through the benefit of hindsight." Being old, I also heard a story at the time that FBI had targeted Steve Jackson Games partly because they had mistaken the Society for Creative Anachronism, a fictional society in Illuminati, as Society for Creative Anarchism. Oh dear. And thought it was a real terrorist organisation. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me one bit. Creative anarchism. So what's that then? So No, no, it's not your normal anarchism. We keep, we keep it a bit more creative. Yeah, no, no, they don't blow stuff up. No. They paint... more creative. I don't know. Like They paint, they paint post boxes... Blue, uh, blue. There you to go. confuse people, <laughs> yeah. and you, yeah, I mean, is if you, yeah, if you know your history about the whole Secret Service debacle, you know now, yeah. and yeah. the way the FBI once raided TSR as well, it's like, it's it really doesn't surprise me that that, and it, at some point somebody just did like a spell check on the on their sort of warrant, and they went, oh no, <laughs> what we've we done, we've got it all wrong. <laughs> oh my god, this is awkward. 
Um, Daniel Irwin says, yeah, the authorities in the 80s had no clue how to deal with hackers, so they defaulted to treating them like terrorists. It's very reminiscent of the satanic panic in that sense. Problem was, you had a bunch of people doing something completely different to what the FBI and others had seen before. They didn't understand how computers work, let alone what hackers were doing with them. <laughs> Check out Kevin Mitnick as one of the original freakers. Ah. Which I think is another word for hacking. It is, yeah. Freaker. I, I looked it up back in the day, and I tried for about five minutes to do a hacking, and I just gave Did up. Did you not do a it. hacking? No. No, I I don't know how to do a hacking. Uh, but if you are interested in the Satanic Panic, go check out our old episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was at the beginning of last year. And yeah. it's, a, it's a good one, man. That was the one produced by Nick, Thanks, which is man. very good. Um, also, our new uh, bloody product came out. Oh. 100 Weird Widgets yeah. is a catalogue of 100 sci-fi gadgets for your game, ranging from useless to absurd to bloody powerful. <laughs> and... Um, it's called 100 Weird Widgets, and obviously the 100 is spelt with numbers. Go and look that up on Drive Through RPG now, advert over. <laughs> but we got a couple of um, feedbacks in, yes. and it's pretty funny because the first one is from Owen Lean, and he says, worth it for the shot bun. Now, if you don't know what a shot bun is, I'll read the next feedback. Haptius Angst, a Reddit user, says, I grabbed it. Uh, it's got a shotgun donut. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, didn't, I didn't know someone else referenced the shot bun. That's become a popular really item. Your favourite item there. So, Excellent. Um, we'll talk more about the product later on yeah. in the show, um, and you'll see why, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, yeah, go out and buy that if you fancy. It's £1.50 for 100 gadgets. 100 gadgets in your game. We got our first five-star uh, review for this product on drive-thru, which is absolutely lovely, from Ryan W. I think I know who that is. Yeah, it might, it might be <laughs> Wayhab from the yeah, Patreon. He's a, he's a good guy. Good guy. And he says, uh, really love this supplement and perfect timing too. Uh, My friends and I are just starting a modified Space 1889 game. Sounds cool. And this is the perfect addition. Some silly and fun stuff in here. Suits our style perfectly. Well, we are happy to have helped. That's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm really chuffed. Um, And I was pretty pleased with how the product came out. And I hope hope that all of our loyal fans... Well, let's call them listeners. Yeah. They go out there and buy it because it is actually, it is actually very proud of it. And it's got if you like absurd and you like powerful and you we like weird, you. we got And yeah. Um, got yeah, we'd love to hear feedback on the um, look of the products as well because um, H has uh, tried his hand at a bit of layout, and I think it went out really well. Actually. My first time ever doing layout. I yeah. think I think it turned out nice. but yeah, you know, be gentle. But let us know because yeah. obviously we're always going to like it. But don't so. say if it's bad. If it's shit, don't let us know. Don't let because it really hurts our feelings. <laughs> yeah, we get really upset. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's Let's get into what we've been playing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what you slaying? So, um, obviously, we we've been playing our D and D game, and the D and D game is where the um, heroes have come into the um, possession of a disused zoo and have mm. to populate it with monsters. I see. So it's a bit different. Yeah. Um, but recently, uh, we've been doing sort of a side story where one of the team's sons have been kidnapped. Yes. And they got kidnapped by this crazy clown, a bit like it, but a bit yeah, more powerful. Worse. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they've been tracking it down. So, last game we actually took a little break from D and D and played some DCC. Yeah. Because what I did is I used the uh, I've been using a, a, a lamentation supplement called the the punchline mm-hmm. for all the characters, the, the mini setting things like this. But then, as the actual dungeon where they had to go and retrieve the kid. I use Carnival of the Damned by David Beatty, which is a DCC module. Yeah. And it's a tournament module, which means it's bloody hard. And you're supposed to... if you The more encounters you get through, you win. And for this this one, basically, all of the heroes turned up at the Carnival, the Carnival of the Damned, which I renamed to Funopolis. Funopolis. <laughs> and uh, yeah. they turned up. 
And as they get to the gate, there's a bloke who's like, oh, mate, so it went down in there, mate. You don't want to know. It was pretty bad. And then he starts telling them story. Yep. And so we go to a flashback where we run the funnel, and that's what happened while they're in there. Exactly. So the actual flashback that the guy was telling becomes the funnel adventure that we played. So all these guys... Um, which took a little bit of time to sink into a couple of our mates. Yeah, Sean was, Sean was like, so what's going on? And our character's controlling those characters. I'm like, no, why would it be like that? And I think Ryan was like... I'm doing what's going on just, just don't worry mate it's fine did he get it in the end do you think, I think no I don't think he did I think mm. he's still wondering what's going on but yeah so so essentially these guys took um, control of a big stack of zero level characters and had to get them through these bizarre challenges yeah. and every they, the characters would get wiped out and things like this And uh, but at the end of the funnel well then they've got a free pass right to the end if they get to it because mm-hmm. they now know the way because the guy at the entrance has told their characters it's a bit meta but it was fun. It's fun. Yeah, and it's good. the adventure's crazy. It's like 180 pages or something. Oh, it's hell. really <clears throat> big, and it's like it basically all you do is you have to find these six keys and put them into a door to unlock the final encounter. Yeah, and you have to go around all the circus attractions, and they're all bugged out and weird in some oh, way. Oh, mate, yeah, we had loads, didn't we? we had a pie eating contest, which was disgusting. Yeah, no, you didn't go to the pie. Oh, no, no it was that, wasn't it? Was it? Huge, yeah. That huge, we had to guess her weight, didn't we? Yeah, you have to guess the weight of this gigantic woman that's yeah. a thousand pounds big. 1,100 pounds. 1,100. These guys were guessing like 3,000 and things like this. Um, <laughs> yeah, she yeah. ate all our weapons. Yeah, she ate, every time you fail a guess, she eats your weapon. Yeah, and you get one thing. chance to ask per player, not mm-hmm. per character. So we had about 25 characters on the table. <laughs> But um, there was a bone coaster as well. We had the bone coaster, yeah. Yes, a roller coaster made of human skin and bones. (laughs) And as you're going around... These monkeys with paralyzing stings, scorpion stings. Yeah. yeah, they tried to paralyze you, and obviously, if you fail, you get flung off the coast because yeah. you can't hold on. Which is what happened to one of our guys. What was his name again? Something sweet, Tony Sweet. <laughs> Tony Sweet. He was a wagon salesman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What he, about the uh, what about the monkey that missed and then ended up stinging itself in the forehead? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> on and TCC, obviously, you roll on a fumble table if you get a, <laughs> yeah. a, an actual one, and I did. And then the, it was like foe hurts themselves, and I was like, so he's got. A, I, I mean, realistically, the monkey would have been immune to it but I was like Fuck nah, it. it's nah, more it's funny if he stings himself exactly. to death right through the head yeah yeah done. that was that awesome was we had one where we um uh we rolled up to a big tent and it was a tattoo parlor and um, it all went a bit wrong we ended up burning it to the ground that was actually mentioned. really funny because what what is is that this tattoo parlor some of the people in the in the um uh carnival want to be there and some of them don't so this tattoo guy he, he's like his old tattooist and He's being forced to be there against his will. Yep. And when you enter the tent, there's three guys in there that like a giant muscly clown, like looking Albino like Bane. clown being tattooed. Yeah. yeah, and then two other little ones, yeah. right? And it, the the uh, the counter basically the way the flavor texture is, it basically gives you a surprise round. <laughs> and these guys these guys fucked up so badly because James's character, he had a character that I had like three intelligence. So he goes, he, he just goes, "What's going on in there then?" <laughs> really loud. Everyone went huh? <laughs> <laughs> midway through. Everyone was planning like. Oh, Wait, what should we do, guys? He's like, it's going to Obviously, the big guy comes out swinging, and then somebody just chucked a lit lantern into yeah. the tent. Yeah. And the tattoo guy's a nice guy. He gives the party magic tattoos and stuff, but they, they, they basically just burnt the tent down. And he was the like, oh, good. well, this is how I end then. One of the players, James T, he, he asked me, he's like, right, what does it look like? And, and and he's like, what shape is the tent? I just drew a circle on a bit of paper. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that? Because we were playing Theatre of the Mind. Yeah. And I was like, mate, this it's, is a it, fl- mate. it's a flaming tent. What, what more picture <laughs> what do you, what do you want? Yeah. It was a flaming collapsed tent as well because somebody <laughs> took the pegs out. I did, yeah. I cut yeah. the guy ropes, yeah. So then it ended up falling on them and they just burnt to death or we just 
started stabbing anything that moved in this kind of burning tent. <laughs> yeah, so the tattooist is supposed to give the guys magic tattoos, and I thought because it's such a cool thing, um, I just let them use. Yeah, the, was like, is there anything needle. left in the embers? Any keys? You're like, no, but there is a needle. We're like, okay, cool. Yeah, and then fucking, uh, it was really good because Jack, what well, James Clark actually walked off on his own at one point and went to a different exhibit. <laughs> and in this exhibit, you can put coins into these slots, and these snakes, it was like a snake pit, and they, yeah. these charmed snakes give you presents back and each one is a really cool magic item but they actually sort of hurt you at the same time or okay. do something so one of them i can't remember what it was it was like a hat or something he puts it on and then immediately his 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 um his sort of voice changes and he gradually changes into a funny accent no he's his boomerang yeah he's and, boomerang and then he, he got another one which made his teeth grow oh gigantic. my god giant um bunny teeth so, he? so suddenly he's talking like that with giant teeth yeah and he and then he tattooed himself but and this is really dumb but he tattooed himself on the tooth mm, yeah which was wouldn't work but it was, it was a magical tattoo yeah so it's fine it's and it ended up being a clown so he's walking around with this giant clown tattoo on his t- on his buck like like ridiculously buck teeth what I like though about that adventure I mean it was ridiculous obviously funnels are fun because you just have people dying left oh, right and centre Doctor Face just got melted yeah 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 <laughs> we the, found out he wasn't really a doctor yep and it, 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 there were so many funny like characters and cool moments but totally that adventure is great best. because it's literally like 30 different encounters and some of them have multiple shit in it like there's one called the house of stalwart minds that was oh it. that was brilliant so that was almost like a, yeah it was, a, it was a mind maze wasn't it we yeah. To, um, we had like three stages and the first one was like a riddle which I had no idea what it was but luckily one of the guys knew it straight away then the um, second one was there was a, a crossword appears on the that's floor right, and you've yeah, got like five words. minutes to find yeah. nine words actually there were specific words you're supposed to find but there were some words that got in there accidentally like man or he was letting them go he was like die and he's like yes yeah, right. yeah because I was like I didn't want to be like because at the beginning some of them jester and yeah the flavour like text says it says uh, you must find nine words or something like this and yeah. I was like I didn't want to then you know retcon it and be like yeah, but that's not the right word. Yeah, you know what I mean? it's, a, it's a word, but don't work it. So it's they like, did find them. If you get a word, you get a word. Yeah. Yeah, like loads of the encounters are like that. So you've got like ones, say for example, the bone coaster, which is a single encounter going around on a, a roller coaster, really or good. you've got, um, you know, the pie eating contest. Or... Oh, we had the um, the love tunnel when the zombies come out. Yeah, yeah. There's that as well, and um, there's all things like that. But then there's some that have multiple encounters, like the petting zoo that you guys didn't actually go to. Oh, we've like, got to, yeah. Um, it might come up next game but uh, but I don't care I'll spoil it a little bit it's like for example you've got loads of different pens with the different animals in it yep. and different shit can happen so there's a transparent cow in there who has transparent <laughs> skin of course there and is. you milk it and it, it's got eight different magical effects oh on the my milk. god that's and so like, cool the thing is the players obviously in the game they don't know where the keys are and that's right. what makes the adventure so good because mm-hmm. you're, you're copping around from place to place thinking it's really good and what was cool is the guys sort of figured out there's kind of a pattern that certain rides certain types of ride Mm -hmm. would give keys whereas certain ones wouldn't Mm -hmm. like attractions often meant no keys but rides meant keys absolutely yeah yeah it was was really good I enjoyed it a lot I changed it a little bit like the ending was quite different Mm because Basically, they get there and they they have to fight this horrible like old one like Cthulhu type monster, yeah. and and everyone went either mad or died instantly. Yeah, but um yeah, so then we we essentially totted up the scores. If you survive an encounter, you get a point. If you do something cool, you get a point. Mm-hmm. If you do something daring, but you lose a point if you meta and try to walk away from encounters. Walk away from stuff. You meta. You lose a character. If character dies. Yeah, yeah. So all of those um uh, get so there's a running tally as the game's going on. Yeah, and then the winner I awarded with a instant level up for their D and D character yours and truly got it yes yeah you did yes and the good thing is is that you were starting a level behind with your new character yeah yeah because your yeah. last one died That's and now right. you're up to scratch with everyone exactly. else so it worked so it's out perfect yeah yeah it was really it, good. It, the tournament way is really really fun of playing a game and um 
It's a fantastic intro for non-players, I would say. As well. Yeah, because the competitive element as well can yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, make it yeah. kind of fun. Um, and you don't get too attached to a character, which is nice because I think, I don't know, if you're introducing someone to the game, it, I don't know, maybe it's, sometimes it's kind of counterintuitive to let someone have a massive backstory, fall in love with their character, and then sadly they die through, you know, not being experienced Well, this, RPG is, this or is what whatever. it is with the, with the critical role crowd. You know, one of the main characters died after like three fucking years, which is a pretty good run. Wow. Right? Good. And, and they went mental. It's like, what? You can't die? That's the, well, that's it. They, they don't, they, they don't get it. Yeah. They don't know what role playing is, though, bless There you go. And uh, yeah, so with this, you, you kind of, like you say, it gets it into your head right away. Not to be precious. No, that's To enjoy right. the character yeah. and play it, but not to be precious. Because we had some great characters that night that yeah. just out of nowhere died. Gone. Like there's a grave digger being played by um, James T. And he's, he's the way he talks to you. He, you could barely understand what he was saying. Uh, we had a car salesman at one point. We had a guy that was an astrologer. And Ryan played him like a hippie. He's like, the stars of a line, man. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. We had, um, oh my God, yeah. We had, uh, I was a corn farmer. I was a woodcutter. I liked there was at one point where you had someone that had one HP. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I rolled damage. And, and I was like, so does four damage. How many HP you got? And you just looked at him and oh, one. I would have died anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was so, cracking. Yeah, so we had a little stack of players. Um, bloody hell James T got through his original stack and a second stack I think he got through eight <laughs> eight characters in that one night <laughs> oh, um, yeah so if you can check out uh, Carnival of the Damned yeah, by it, David Payton it's also by um, Purple Sorcerer Games who oh, make a perfect. lot of cool stuff for DCC yes. so it's one of the better ones honestly um, yeah, yeah so check that out as well. oh, how did you um, generate all the million players uh, yeah, well, exactly. I used the Purple Sorcerer website. Yeah. And the cool thing is, is about that, they've got a zero-level character generator. They've got um, upper-level character mm-hmm. generators for DCC. The zero-level, it prints off four on one sheet, and you can just cut them in half and give them to somebody. Yep. And um, the, you can do it in a variety of styles, or from loads and loads of different books. Like They've got the zero-levels for America, for oh, Cyber wow. Sprawl, for DCC, MCC. Brilliant. Yeah, so... So it fit any campaign you want to run? Or, yes. Or, or one-shot, or whatever it is. That's yeah, the thing. Final. Fucking... Um, the um, the Purple Sorcerer website is mm-hmm. basically the best resource for DCC. So if you can buy one of their products, you you better have a yeah. fad. Yep, and get the app as well because it's free and brilliant. It's a good app, yeah. Yeah, really good app. All right, well, that's about it. I mean, we were going to talk about 100 Weird Widgets, but we're going to do that a bit later. We'll so talk about it later. We'll talk about it later, listeners. We'll about it later, You've got to hold on to your seats, mate. <laughs> All right, let's do a main subject, shall yes, we? Let's do this. Main. Subject. Magic. Main. Subject. Tokyo. Main subject. 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 So today we are talking about Chaalt by Venger Satanis. Yeah. What is it though? Uh, well, I'll tell you, Nick. <laughs> Take two. Uh, it's a Gonzo Eldritch science fantasy world focusing on a mega dungeon, the Black Pyramid. Ooh. It's compatible with OSR games and 5e. And according to the author, the Black Pyramid is like nothing you've seen before. Unique design, purpose, feel, magic items, NPCs, monsters, factions, motives, agendas, strangeness, and the works. I'm, I'm fairly certain Venger Satanus isn't from North England, <laughs> but that's the voice I've decided to give it. Fair enough. Um, I, and just a couple of disclosures before we begin. Uh, we did get sent review copy for yep, this, and he is quite nice when you email him. Yes. So that that might sway our opinion, but bear in mind, if, there, if there's something we don't like, we will say it. Oh, all as right? we always do. But if you're nice to us and you send us things, we will... Review it. And well. But just ignore <laughs> that I said that. Wink. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> um... But yeah, before we get into the actual game, right, um, I think we better address the elephant in the room, the eldritch elephant in the room. Oh, is yeah. that Venger Satanis, right, 
he's a little bit of a controversial figure. And he's one of these ones as well that I can't really figure out why. I've turned away from my mic for a second. But, um, yeah, just have a look at some of the artwork in that book there. So I've just handed um, Nick one of Avengers Satanus's other books, um, Girls Gone Rogue, a supplement for Alpha Blue. And I think I think he's controversial simply because of the artwork and themes in his books, which are often adult. They're oh, sleeves. Okay. There we go. Yeah, there we go. So we've got a picture of a, a lovely buxom few women being... Uh, well, let's just call it as tentacle porn. It's cartoon, but that's what it is. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think that's I think that's basically it. Somebody, um, uh, Sean Patrick Fannin, tried to have him banned on Drive Through RPG because of the content of his books. What that guy? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he was calling to have him banned. I mean, uh, and the thing is, they they're often described as being like sleazy in a teenagery way, where it's like loads of tits and things. I haven't really read them, but I think that's part of it. And, and another thing is, is that <laughs> yeah, there's Krang from Teenage Mutant Turtles um, holding a boob, holding a boob. Yeah, so um, I think the other reason, Nick, is that is that uh, Avenger is a little bit of a controversial figure is, is because on um, National Trans Day last year, mm-hmm. he came out as being trans species. Right. And um, he believes that he is a, uh, a Cthulhu mythos monster. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hence the name, hence his love for Cthulhu stuff. But I will say this: I, I'm not judging him. I don't care what he's doing. It does, it's not hurting anyone else. Staff helmet from fucking Spaceballs. Yeah, well, there's Doctor Who in one of his other books as well. <laughs> so yeah, so, so we're not here to. Uh, we we don't judge. I mean, the, the reason I bought the Alpha Blue books was to review on this show, and I think I got a good experience out of them because I showed the artwork to my wife, and she just sighed and left the room. <laughs> so yeah, the thing is, um, I think that's basically what it is, and I'm I'm not judging him for the trans species thing. I think uh, whatever you do, you man. Yeah. But I also think because he he. He, he believes he's a mythos monster, right? Uh-huh. That makes him uniquely qualified to do an eldritch setting. Well, that is true. If anyone's going to know about it, then it's somebody that is one. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, exactly. This is the thing. So what we'll do, we'll get into a bit of Chalt now, which yeah. he says is um, uh, to pronounce Chalt or however you want to pronounce it. That's what he said. Like so that. I'm going to pronounce it Avengers Satanus's Magical World of Fun. <laughs> no. Is that all right? No. no. Okay. No, let's stick with Chalt. Right, so um, first off, let's start with the book then. So you've seen the cover for Chalt, right? Yes. You like it? I do. You need to speak into your... I know. Oh, is that how it works? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm getting a bit wrapped up with this artwork. So. <laughs> right, you can have a look at that later I'll in your private time. I do like the cover. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's really good. It's got like all these stalks with eyes. Yeah. You can see the the, so the green and purple. And, and the black pyramids like front and centre. Yeah. And it's it's a really, really beautiful cover. And you can see that it was like hand-drawn as well. It's, yeah. it's yeah. really, really nice. And a lot of the artwork as well, I've been sending it to you. It's really good. And it's very, very well drawn. It Some of it well quite drawn. racy. <laughs> oh, it's getting a... hot in here, but... But let's get into the game. It's very good. Um, so, the foreword by the author himself does sort of set the stage for the rest of the book. He says that the Black Pyramid is where he focused the bulk of his efforts, considering that it contains 111 rooms. Jesus. That's understandable. Yeah. Originally, he continues, it was more like a traditional dungeon with loads of levels leading up the pyramid, but he wanted to do something more unique, so he altered it to be a trans-dimensional underworld as mythic as it is gonzo super science. That's a nice word. You buying into this yet? I am, yeah. The genre he puts the book into is funhouse mindfuck. Perfect. (laughs) And is supposed to be enjoyed in a deeper fashion than killing monsters and getting loot. It's more about exploring and making sense of this weird world. Mm -hmm. 
So the book begins with an over overview of the world and a little history. Essentially, the world of Chalt was originally like a typical D&D world, a world where many of its inhabitants worshipped the Old Ones and followed their ancient traditions. It's rumoured that the Old Ones are so chaotic that this, one, that this reality is the only one left after they dis- destroyed every other single it's the one. the last place. So the last just, bastion. So they're like Cthulhu mythos, like upper level old ones yeah, right proper. and they just they were just bored and so chaotic they just destroyed everything except except Chult that's basically it big party and that's what Chult was all that was left yeah so by default Chult became the resting place for the old ones <laughs> and yep. predictably this meant that a good load of people came corrupted and these people became the dark ones Ooh. and according to the book the dark folk lived in disharmony with those favouring light unwilling to wage a full scale war mm. Which is kind of weird because when they say that they they were at contests with them, but they weren't really doing a war. What were they doing? Painting post boxes blue? <laughs> yes, that was <laughs> causing anarchy. Just weeing into people's letterboxes. Have some that. Running into pubs and going. <laughs> <laughs> Have we spoken about that before, or was that off air? Oh, sorry, it, was, it was off air. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, for the next thousand years, the old ones slept, and they were so wiped out from utterly destroying billions of realities that they needed a nap. Understandable. Understandable, yeah. During they tuckered this... out, wouldn't they? Yeah. yeah. All, all of this destroying of realities is very tiring. Very tiring. I'm going to sleep in my cave. For a million years. Goodbye. <laughs> During this time, a new age, the tech age, started. People forgot to how to use magic, built domes over their futuristic cities, and even welcomed aliens into their lives. However, underground, there was a bunch of really bad shit going on. <laughs> you see, as the surface dwellers prospered and invented the toaster, the dark ones and all baddies went underground. Now, this happened to be where the old ones were sleeping, so having learned some bad magic from demons, the underground baddies started to wake the old ones up. And upon awakening, the old ones are really angry, right? <laughs> you wake e- me up now. And and everyone's forgotten them. Oh, shit. And instead of practicing ancient traditions and dancing around a fire, everyone's now obsessed with Twitter and television called vid screens in this universe. Oh, nice. So what did the old ones do? They went bloody mental. Of course they did. <laughs> Along with the help of the subterranean races, all, they all rallied together and just fucked shit up, destroying domed cities, smashing up people's faces... But the fight wasn't exactly one-sided. Not only was the toaster invented, but the surface dwellers also had laser guns, spaceships, and technology so badass that, as the book says, it matched the power Whoa. of Cthulhu. Yeah, so these guys actually gave Cthulhu a fair fight. I think they is... were more embarrassed because I was like, I only had a small nap, and now look at this shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's been one million years, and all of this has happened. They have guns. I look away guns. for one minute, <laughs> and look at this mess. Yeah, so um, the war went on for a while, but eventually the surface dwellers won out. Barely, but they still won. However, battle was so huge that the world was left barren. Animals and plants were now scarce, and the planet was left magically depleted. And as the book puts it, swaths of desert reduced to black glass from neutron cannons. The largest portion of Chult became a radioactive wasteland. Oh my god, this is so good. It is cool, isn't it? Yeah. Some of the dead old ones did wither away in the desert, causing yellow-green rivers which replenished the world's magic, but with one rather annoying side effect. The Black Pyramid was now charged with energy. This gigantic structure was previously just a folktale, and now its power was drawing every bad guy, every monstoid, and every grungmonger from Chult to it. (laughs) So, now the world is in the Obsidian Age, where science types rebuild cities, brave folk adventure into the radioactive deserts, and the world is in a continual lawless state. 
And that is basically it for the premise. Fuck yeah. It's cool, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I was I was like I, I I really had no idea what to expect from this. And I often find like Mega Dungeons a little bit dry, but yeah. the flavour for this is really Mate, good. That's so really cool. good. There was all this shit going down with the Cthulhu monsters and then they ruined everything, then they had a nap, then civilization was able to make technology and kind of rebuild and they come back. Well and that's wiped what it makes it cool because you can adventure in a typical D and D fashion or a typical um, you know, post-apocalyptic fashion. Yeah, but you've also got like really high super science gadgets that you can find yeah. as treasure. And mysterious, um, you know, Lovecraftian monsters and mythos it's, there as it's well. It's got everything, but like, it's it doesn't feel kitchen sinky. It's more like the, with the premise of this. It's more like it's kind of um, yeah, and it's got all the best parts of those. Yeah, things yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So it's been cherry picked for greatness. So the next part of the book is a few quick rules on travel, crossing the desert and such, with rules for wearing armor in the desert and how much water you need. Mm-hmm. It of course, has a part about radiation. The desert is called Skba. Skba. And it's obviously full of the stuff. Loads of radiation everywhere. Yeah. Um, so if you travel for three days without radiation pills, you must roll a D20. And when you get a one, you get radiation sickness. Mm. On a two, three, or four, you get a mutation. <laughs> Yay. Um, to get rid of radiation sickness, you basically need to rest up out of view of Chult's sons. Oh, okay. So, yeah. yeah. But let's have a look at um, mutations. Yeah. When a new please. mutation is rolled on the table, each player contributes an idea towards it, like a benefit flaw or weirdness. So let's say you get metallic skin mutation. What would you add to that? <laughs> As a what, like as a, like a bonus of floor or a complication. Oh, the floor would be um, that in in within sunlight, that chalk sunlight, it could uh, bounce off of it, and it's almost like putting a magnifying glass on something, so you can just burn shit by accident. Yeah. So if anyone stands near you, <laughs> yeah. like your team, they're in the right angle. Yeah, yeah, and they they might get disadvantage because the sun's in their eyes because you're next to them. Whatever. Yeah. But yeah, um, I might That's go cool. as a benefit that you can um, slide for miles. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. something like that because it's like really smooth or whatever. <laughs> Frictionless. So yeah, what like happens it. every time you roll a mutation, right? There's a table of I think about thirty or something like this. But the thing is, is every time you get one, you might get wings. I might get wings, but everyone will contribute something different because it's so a, you could have yeah. the floor that they don't work, but then you could have the benefit that you can still glide. That's you know amazing. what I mean? Yeah. But if everyone contributes something. So if you're playing with six people, mm-hmm. there's going to be they're going to be somewhat complicated, or you could just pick three people and say, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's cool. I like that. Really, really cool. Yeah. And there are other mutations aside from metallic skin, like Kuato, oh, yeah. where a sm- smaller humanoid now lives in your body. <laughs> Or eldritch glyphs covering your body. Or an animal face. Pretty cool. So the eldritch glyphs, you might say something like, well, now you've got these tattoos all over your body. Yeah. Everyone knows you're dangerous, but you can do cool you shit. You can do now, dangerous wherever, shit, yeah. but it's written all over your arms. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. The next part of the book is all about the main locations in Chult. Um, now, one thing I should mention from here on out is that one of Avengers Satanus' favourite things to do in his writing, and something he addresses at the beginning of the book, is he likes to include pop culture references. So that he can make something vaguely familiar, but still weird and alien. <laughs> cool. You see what I mean? Yeah, I So like in it. Alpha Blue, for example, his previous game, he's got like um, Doctor Who in there. We've just seen it's got yep. Krang holding yep. a boob in there. Yep. Like, loads of weird shit. <laughs> but that's why he does it, basically. Everyone um, loves it. Everyone loves a bit of nostalgia, a little reference. Yeah, exactly. So the, one of the first locations we'll talk about is Agribar, <laughs> as in the place from Aladdin. <laughs> Um, this is the largest city in Chult. It's got banging street food, exotic spices, and is ruled by a bloke called King Drutal, whose wife is part lizard, part demon. Oh, love! Don't piss her off then. But actually, Drutal is really nice and really wise, and it's rumored that he's actually a dick in disguise. Not a f- actually, not a physical dick. I should point out. I mean, oh, I, I mean, like an asshole. No, I mean, I mean surprise. He unzips and he's a penis. Under. No, no, like a bad person. Is oh, okay. What I mean. 
Yeah, yeah. So um, apparently people who really know him say that he's quick to anger and will torture a servant on the drop of a hat Ooh. while dancing to their screams. Oh, lovely. Agribar also has the largest spaceport in Chult, a gladiatorial arena, and of course a, month- a monthly sacrifice to the gods. Mm. Uh, Essentially, to keep the place safe, they kill one citizen, usually somebody no- nobody likes, and <laughs> believe that this appeases any nasty forces wanting to destroy the city, like old ones and shit. It's like the it's like that. Um, do you remember that um, Fallout bunker when they uh, when they offer one up to sacrifice every mm. month? And yeah, yeah. And they realised they didn't need to. The only way to, they could have stopped it by just saying no. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so there's also another great location called the Gamma Incel Cantina. And I'm Ooh. fairly... That's got to be a reference to actual incels somehow. Can't although I can't really get it. <laughs> um, there, there, this is where, to quote a book, spacers from all over the galaxy come to kick up their tentacles and have fun. Okay. This is also where spice frackers hang out. Oh, dear. But what is a spice fracker? Yeah, what the hell is that? Well, aliens essentially use machines to suck Zoth out of the planet. Okay. And Zoth is liquefied remains of dead gods. <laughs> and when refined... It comes. A, it becomes a spice called melange. Okay. And there are loads more like very good locations, but this brings me nicely to factions you encounter in the setting. So of course you have the spice frackers. Um, they they you know they travel to wastelands trying to get Zoth, and if you're trying to get it too, you know there's going to be trouble. Like um, scavengers, well not scavengers, but yes, yeah, kind scav- of yeah, salvagers and stuff. Yeah, I get it. And um, yeah, so th- there's also the Ascenders who oh, yeah. learned about the tech age from holographic crystals and therefore have mechs and guns and they, they roam the desert. <laughs> there's hunter-killer droids, robots of unknown origin that roam the desert killing any humanoids and there's the Death Stalkers. And this is basically a term used for gangs of humanoids that attack people weaker than them and steal their shit. Okay. But given that the Death Stalkers typically go for people who are travelling through, traveling through the wastelands and spend a lot of time there, they're all mutated and deformed. <laughs> so you just get attacked by people that have got metal skin wings, eldritch glyphs, animal faces. Oh, well, you don't want to go out there and knock about them guys. Exactly. But let's not forget one of the main factions, the Dharma Initiative. What? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I find it pretty funny that... That's from Lost, isn't it? Yeah, in 2020, he's referencing Lost. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's got to keep it alive, man. I mean, we're big Lost fans. We are. Loved Lost. We we like it. But I I can imagine somebody looking at that and being like, what the fuck? fuck? That was 10 years ago, man. Is that even... Maybe more. I forgot about that. No, yeah, you're probably right. Over 10 years ago. Um, so yeah, when I said Avenger reference pop culture, I didn't say it had to be relevant pop yeah, culture. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> the Dharma Initiative are time travellers who tried to change the events that led to the destruction of Cholt. Mm. But let's talk to let's talk about Monsingtons, <laughs> aka monsters. They're not called Monsingtons in there. Are they? No, no, they're no, not. I was <laughs> You got sandworms. You got alien dinosaurs. You got giant spider droids. You got Cthulhu mythos type monsters. It's a short beast theory, but what I like is that the monsters are statted simply with just the info you need, which makes it easy to note down in your, into your campaign book. Mm. Now there are more monsters later because you get new ones in the dungeon. Okay. Yeah. But as for like a basic beast theory for shit outside the dungeon. Romans, yeah. Okay, yeah. You, that's what you got. Mm-hmm. It's, it's short, but but good. Yeah. Yeah, and so all the stats that are listed for each one is just AC, HP, save bonus, attacks and damage, and then a small box with relevant special abilities. Nice. That's it. Yeah, that's nice. all you need. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, now, the monstroids include what type of treasure you'll find on them as well, and sometimes the treasure is random. Mm. So the book has a helpful diamonds in the rough table, <laughs> nice. which, contain, which contains some loot. You may find a gumball machine, a giant plastic donut, or a magic item like the bilious green death ray wand. 
I think I think how that works. I can't remember, but I'm fairly certain it spews out green bile. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. And melts people. Yeah, with the or death. With yeah. death. <laughs> yeah. So um, next up, we have a section called particulars, oh, yeah. and um, here the book details some new elf races native to Chult. Um, to give an example, there's the Midnight Elf. They get advantage on all stealth rolls because they're good at blending in with the shadows. Okay. And are weak whenever they're in sunlight, so they get disadvantage on everything. All right. Which I think is really harsh. Well, that's harsh, yeah. But then... You're coming out today? No. I guess time. that's kind, because let's say if you were playing that or a vampire, you could just say you start to melt when you're in the sun. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. disadvantage on everything, I guess, is better than not being able to go out at all. At all, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, there's also the Sky Elf who have purplish red skin and they get advantage on opening attacks in a battle as long as they initiated the battle. Okay. So, yeah, if they're the, if, if you're at a bar, if you're at the in-cell cantina, you're chatting and suddenly the guy goes, fuck this, I'm, the talking is over, then they get advantage on that first attack. Pretty cool. So, pretty handy, actually. Yeah. So, in this same section, a particular section, it also explains new crit failure setting rules. So, in Chult, a 1 is still an auto-miss, mm-hmm. but you, you have to roll a 1d6 on a chart to determine the effect. Ooh. So, it's like a fumble table. Yeah. For example, you may accidentally hurt yourself, or your opponent gets an attack of opportunity, or you drop whatever you're holding. Mm-hmm. Sort of basic stuff. Yeah. Then we run into some scenarios. So basically, at the beginning of the book, Venger explains that rather than going for the main event straight away and going straight to the Black Pyramid, the chalk campaign starts with a few smaller scenarios before the PCs take on the Black Pyramid. Get a little taster. Yeah, exactly. And the first one is Beneath Kradumek, City of the Purple Demon Worm. Nice. This city is controlled by a giant worm that warps people's minds and makes them enact its will. Essentially, there's a dungeon beneath that city that supposedly holds the secret to resisting the worm. Ah, okay. And um, in the city where he lives, like, because everyone's being controlled, Mm. everyone walks about silently the whole time Uh, and just does his bidding. Yeah. And so you, you go in and you have a chance to, like, try and find the secret behind resisting that and setting the people free, which wow, I think is cool. really fucking That's cool. really cool, yeah. But that's basically the adventure. It's awesome and it contains some great encounters like the demon cat snake or, or as it's also called feline serpernus. <laughs> Pretty cool. Upon killing this, by the way, you get a bunch of treasure, of course, including a didgeridoo. Nice. That's what and I'm not, need. I'm, well, I'm not sure what business a cat oh. has with a didgeridoo. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, but... Fuck it, he likes it. There you go. But anyway, spoiler, it turns out the worm beneath the city is frozen and thus starts the next adventure. Ooh. You go inside the worm, <laughs> encounter a fully intact pirate ship and its crew, along with a bunch of other stuff that the worm once swallowed. And that's adventure two. But the next part really cool. is all about Gamma in Cell Cantina. Yeah. So next in the campaign, after you've done a couple of missions, you're expected, or the GM will kind of get you to go back to the incel cantina and you you hang out there Mm -hmm. for a bit you spend a few hours there and as I mentioned earlier it's where spacefaring folk come to hang out along with spice frackers Mm -hmm. but the cool thing is this part of the setting can be used with Alpha Blue so this is a location you can go to in his previous game you can go hang out on that planet get some Zoth you know the dead Cthulhu dead Cthulhu blood yeah yeah and and I think that's a really cool thing that's nice yep the Gamma Incel is your typical sleazy sci-fi cantina, aside from being mostly invisible from the outside. But one cool detail is the patron table. So you can roll for people inside the bar, or the Gamma Incel map shows you where they sit, and there are 69 patrons. <laughs> nice. <laughs> some, some examples of these patrons include Bok. Bok. He's a VIP cyborg fitted with synthetic tentacles, facial scars, involved in humanoid trafficking. Oh dear. Or there's Quan, the Klingon male. Obsidian black skin, six-fingered, warrior, gay, loves <laughs> hand-to-hand combat. I bet it does. <laughs> and then there's Sweckner, who's a future spider the size of a dinner plate. Of course he is. <laughs> and uh, Sweckner is a tour guide, hothead that doesn't want to get mixed up in a revolution, messily eating shrimp. 
<laughs> spider eating a shrimp cocktail. I, I don't know. I like that. Yeah, I like that he doesn't like. I like that he's hot headed, but doesn't like to get mixed up in any revolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, no, he's, I get involved with that, mate. Look, I just, I'm just a tour guide. All right, Let me eat me shrimp. <laughs> I'm busy eating my shrimp. Will you fuck off? <laughs> There's also a banana alien with a penis head. But moving on. <laughs> After spending a few hours in the cantina, a woman approaches. She's badass, surrounded by droids. She wants the players to retrieve something called the sacred sanguine or- orchid. From the sorcerer priest Thoth Amon, a serpent man who lives in the Black Pyramid, and thus we begin the Black the next Pyramid. Bit, right. Mm-hmm. The Black Pyramid is described as the obsidian jewel of Chult's demon crown. This guy, Lim- I like this guy's writing. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's really evocative. It's silly and evocative at the same time. It's brilliant. And also, yeah, it's fucking. But you cracking. can get away with the silly if it's backed up with with quality, and it well, seems exactly. so far. It to be really, really is. Good. Yeah. 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 Um, but let me read this passage about the pyramid because yes. I think this is this basically perfectly describes it. And I was going to try and put it in my own words, but I just couldn't. So um, it is the broken mind of a man and is piecing together of irreconcilable shards. Those who hope to discover the meaning instead found madness. The darkest impulses made flesh. In some cultures, those who dared trespass into the Black Pyramid were skinned alive for their blasphemy. In other cultures, journeying to and entering the pyramid was an initiation rite for warriors, priests, and sorcerers. Ooh. I just think that's cool. Yeah, that is yeah. cool. As is typical of a mega dungeon, though, um, there's a few tools to get you started. For okay. example, it has a table to determine your reason for trekking across the desert and some advice for starting the adventure, including a pre-made encounter where a group of attacking raiders happen to have a map to the Black Pyramid. Okay, nice. But you also have a rumour table, so if the PCs are in the cantina for long enough, they mm-hmm. might hear something like, within the Black Pyramid is a chalice encrusted with gemstones from other planes of existence. They say one sip can intensify and expand a man's will throughout multiple dimensions. So that's, if, that's, if that doesn't whet your appetite for adventure, I don't know what Well, does. exactly. <laughs> I mean, they'll be disappointed because all the other dimensions have been destroyed. Oh, but, yeah, that's you know. But there you go. <laughs> uh, some rooms within the Black Pyramid, uh, and another rumour is some rooms within the Black Pyramid are said to slip in and out of reality when the old gods stir. The worshippers of Nurakin must camouflage themselves if they are to survive the awakening, Ooh. so little yeah, little rumors like that. It's yeah, pretty cool, and cool. and it gets gives reasons of, of it gives players a reason to to venture mm-hmm. in. You know, yep. if you're just starting at the Black Pyramid and not doing the previous bits, there just you go. roll on the rumor table, yeah. and there you and then go. You start the game straight away. Yeah, there's also a table called While You Are Away. So if Ooh. you spend any lengthy period of time exploring. A, Exploring the Black Pyramid, you'll find things have changed when you come back. So time in the pyramid is three times as slow. So for every week you spend there um, in the pyramid, it's it's like been three weeks outside. Wow. And you roll on a table. So you might find to return your house has burned down or your wife wants a divorce or robots have exterminated most organic life in the region. (laughs) These are just some of the things on the table. That's really cool. It keeps the real world fluid and moving while you're doing whatever you do. Kind of, because I I find that um, obviously Mega Dungeon's a big part of it is exploring a bit, using up all your resources, heading back to the inn. Yeah. And this makes the heading back to the inn a bit more interesting. Yeah, because you might be, maybe you've been in there adventuring, done really well, got cool, like, cool items, all you want to do is go back and rest, and you get back and there's robots everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and, and it, it means that the downtime and the parts outside of the adventuring are fun, yeah, makes them interesting. Yeah. Additionally, when you leave the pyramid, like as in when you actually come out, at any point you roll on another table, which determines another effect of the time dilation in the pyramid. You, might, you may find a group of adventurers that look just like 
like you are just a few dunes over. <laughs> and when you go to chase them down, they're gone. Ooh. <laughs> I think that was a cool one. Yeah, I like that. Or one of the planet's suns may have disappeared. Oops. A pretty good one is where the demon lord Trumars <laughs> is casually standing outside the pyramid and wants the players to go back in and find a rare crystal which will swap for his sword. <laughs> This sword is is like the um, it's like the mythos language, but it means obliteration. Ooh, and nice. It's a plus five sword that glows when demons are near. I like the way it's just casually standing outside, like, oh, you're here. Um, <laughs> I've been waiting here for a month. Look, anyway, fancy popping back in? <laughs> yeah, look, I know you were fancying a nice bath in the end, but um, just really get, cool. But sword. one more thing, one cool sword. Now, if you think this gang didn't contain crab raccoons, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Good. If, if we look at the random encounters table for the Black Pyramid, they're right there. Good. Alongside caterpillar wizards, rat things, and fruit folk. Now, fruit there's folk. a bit of advice for running it, and in that, it, it says there are no coincidences in the Black Pyramid. The whole thing is made from evil stone, made from evil, so the players are going to see weird shit. Yeah. And they'll likely try to link it together somehow. And if they do, the GM is encouraged to go with it. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah, yeah. subtly confirming their suspicions. Oh, the book that just says, make them go more mad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they go, hang on, but that looked a bit like that thing from the other room. I think they're linked, and the GM will just go... Perhaps that's perhaps that's they are. that's what the book says to do. It says Mysterious. don't say yes, just say perhaps, perhaps. and yeah. look down at something, and take a yeah. note or some yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah, really good. Parts of the dungeon are color coded. You need crystals to get into each color coded section, mm-hmm. and these are difficult to find. And people that have them tend to hang on to them okay. because they can find weird shit. You know. Now remember Zoth, yep. that weird goo made of dead old ones. This can be th- found in and around the pyramid too. You can use it to double the effects of a spell Ooh. to oil a sword oh. and give it plus three for a limited time. Or perhaps you want to dip your wand in a blob of Zoth. And oh, I yeah. don't mean, you know. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> then your wand gets recharged. And oh, yeah. Yeah, so if you, if you, you typically ones, they have a certain amount of charges before they run out, and you can just dip it in there, get all the charges back. Well, good. <laughs> does this work for the meat one? Yeah, I put, I put a note in there. <laughs> does this work for the meat one? Let's find out. <laughs> I, knowing Venger t- Satanus' writing it style, does. it definitely does. <laughs> yeah. Dip your wand in there, you get a plus three to making love. Bonery, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, additionally, if you get a bottle of Zoth mm-hmm. and chuck it at an enemy, that's 3d6 damage. Ouch. But perhaps the most deadly use of all, as we mentioned earlier, Zoth can be refined into the spice melange. Feed an enemy the curry made with melange and they'll be shitting for weeks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't know that. That's true. I did make that. But I, I like to believe it. Hit the cannon button. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Found within the dungeon itself are factions, strange treasures, ever-changing multi-dimensional rooms. And as the dungeon is often shifting and manifesting weird shit, there's a table for when players re-enter. I love it. They might find several dead humanoids lying on the shiny black floor, or an alarm that's sounding when they enter but suddenly stops. Shit like that. Yeah. The next pages are dedicated to each room of the pyramid. As you explore its smooth black rooms, you come to some of the most bizarre shit. I'm not going to go through every room, but here's some highlights. Remember the fruit folk that I mentioned before? Oh, yeah. They're in room 13. Here's a quote from the book. A seasoned strawberry warrior named Sumatra is giving a speech. He's attempting to fire up his fellow fruities so they may charge into the next several rooms, kill anyone who refuses to submit, and declare themselves kings of the Black Pyramid. Grape Ninja has an itchy trigger figure. <laughs> finger he accuses the adventurers of wrecking the balance between rooms before the fruities can utterly destroy that balance by declaring themselves rulers <laughs> and i sent you the artwork for yeah. that it's yeah, really weird I what that was. it's like it's like uh it looks like something out of a kid's tv I show like little 3d fruit renderings guys. of yeah. fruit yeah no it's it's see the thing is you you read the whole book and you think there's quite a serious tone to this but because he he, he takes advantage fully of the um 
of the weirdness of Cthulhu-esque shit and multi-dimensional exactly. shit. Well, that's the thing. Multi. When you throw anything, you can throw multi-dimensional in means that you have carte blanche to literally go as crazy as you like and just about well. And it doesn't have to it? be always weird, black, crazy shit Scary. from other it universes. Just be odd. Well, what they say, rule number one. So the rule, like the rule number one of apparently writing good scary stuff or making a good scary film is making stuff seem normal but making it sli- ever so slightly different to, to make it weird basically well yeah I hate Doctor Who but there, there's one good episode the Weeping Angels first one yeah. because it's just, it just made people scared of statues now. oh yeah. right yeah exactly but um, yeah you're absolutely right and the thing is when there's portals opening up and weird shit in a pyramid spewing right? out everywhere yeah, the thing yeah. is if there can be anything make sure there is anything you yeah, know what yeah, I mean yeah, not yeah, just yeah. the same old mythos shit we're used to so uh, you know the fruit people it is weird it is gonzo but I like it yeah um, in room 25, you'll find a room with 1,000 barrels in it and 1,000 typewriters. The barrels are filled with monkeys. If the monkeys are freed, they'll start work on the complete works of Shakespeare. Oh, it's that old thing, isn't yep. it? Yeah. There's a full-on marketplace in there, a temple to Cthulhu, and there's a place called the Clown Quarter. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> These clowns are insane and should be described as a posse. <laughs> I'm not joking. I think it's a reference to the insane clown posse. Isn't it? It is. Um, on the wall- ICPs in there. Yep. <laughs> on the walls in the clown quarter, there are 111 eyes. At one point, you'll find a bunch of guys in there as well playing VR chalt. <laughs> Everything they see in the video game is actually oh, real and chalt. I, love, it. I yeah. love that there's like numerical numbers for shit as well. 111 eyes. Well, yeah, because there's 111 rooms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Now, I don't want to spoil much more, but let's just say there's a room called the Pizza Pit. <laughs> but the rest of the rooms are just as fun and creative. And at the end, there's even an alternate system to play this with called Ooh. Crimson Dragon Slayer. Oh, uh, yeah. So this is Venger Satanus's really hyper-minimalist D20 game. Nice. Um, which is it's really rules-like, and he calls it an O5R game. So okay. it's like a mix between... OSR and 5 e Yeah, nice. exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's not bad. I've, I've listened to him... Uh, not for long, admittedly, playing it on his channel on YouTube and he uses Crimson Dragon Slayer and it's quite good, but it's very rules like to the point where I think it says you don't even have character sheets. Oh, you wow. You just pick a class. Oh, okay. All so, oh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hmm, so not my cup of tea, but uh, I, I did like the rest of the book. What are you thinking? You, oh. you a chalk man? Tick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Um, just all of it really sounds really cool. I love, I've always been a big Cthulhu fan. I love the creepy shit. But then I love the popular culture references and the... The gonzoness. The gonzoness of it. And it's just well written. Like the, 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 the history of it leading up to the point where you start adventuring I think it's fantastic because you've got so much to work with there what's great about it as well is it's not, it doesn't take a piss with the history or basically everything we said here takes place over like a couple of pages and it's like it's really really rich as you mm. say there's a lot of wasteland there's there's the map's pretty small actually with only like a few key locations all of which are really good but all the rest you can fill in yourself yeah mate so you can play Cthulhu by the way of Fallout Mm-hmm. And I liked it as well because the dungeon, the mega dungeon, it doesn't include it include any more like stupid rules and things like this. Like mm. when I read, um, what was that other fucking one? Uh, Barrow Maze, right? Yeah. The thing about that was is to obviously to make it big. What you had to do was make a lot of the rooms generic, and they all follow a similar theme. They're all tombs. They're all skeletons. They're all so the same one. You've seen a hundred. Yeah, yeah. And, and got, with this, it, every single room you don't know what you're going to see because instead of going from a random encounter list of wandering monsters, you don't, you have no fucking idea what's no. going to be in the next room and I really like that about and it. And I bet 
your my bottom dollar, you'll have parties that are playing this game that will escape the pyramid, get back to the um, incel barrow or whatever it's called. What's it called? Cantina. Cantina, sorry. And, uh, you know, they'll be going back to the Black Pyramid. Because Part they two. want to see what's They next. want more shit or they want to understand more. Or yeah, because want... you, you can get loads of weird shit in there and you can also... The shit you're going to see is just remarkable. Yeah. And the, this is the type of stuff I like because it's... I, I'm pretty good at coming up with ideas for games and stuff like this, but sometimes you just pick a bunch of weird ideas out of some crazy bloke's brain yep. and put it into 111 rooms, and it's all the work's done for you. Exactly. Everything's weird, and it's shit you're not going to expect. And I bet you get people going, how do you think this shit up? You're like, I oh, know, weird, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, just my crazy brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so brilliant. I, I, love I, I love it. And um, the last thing, obviously, we'll talk about the presentation. You've seen the artwork. Yes. Some of it is racy, but not... Uh, nearly as much as Alpha Blue, but it was no, no. Alpha Blue's all, uh, almost por- pornographic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is filth. Yeah, <laughs> so, but um, this, yeah, this one. I think the artwork is spectacular. One mm-hmm. of the, one of my favourite ones is there's a guy heading towards the pyramid. He's got a sword in one hand and he's got a give way sign in the other hand. <laughs> Although in America it's called yield. Yield. <laughs> I love that. It's it just and the artwork really summarises how the game as well. Like it's got. It has got, I'll be honest, uh, a lot of shots of big-breasted women adventurers. Sure. But they're going into rooms and you see the cat snake and you see the, there's... It's got Dinner a, plate monster spider. Yeah, it's got a big, good mix of really dark artwork and really funny artwork. It's brilliant. It's is, a good... It's the... It, like the book, the, the whole the whole idea behind it is this kind of like you said, like this kind of multi genre type mix up, and even the book's done like that, and it's um, it just means that you can you got a lot to work, you got loads to work with. Well, you can make it like any way you like. The type of way I like to run fantasy yeah. as well, because you guys will often find super science shit or. I mean, in our current D&D game, there's TV companies and TVs and shit. Yeah, so. but it's all still grounded in magical ways and of working. And that's what this is, yeah. But and that's it's still technology, so yeah. So I think this is this is a product that appeals to us a lot. I, I think, like it. I personally think that anyone should go and buy it. Uh, uh, he w- it actually was sending us a physical copy. Excellent. I don't know where that is, if it's lost in a post or something. No, it's in another dimension. It's on its way. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, maybe, yes, maybe it got lost in the Black Pyramid. Who knows? So we're still waiting. Yeah, still waiting, Venger. I mean, you can send another one if you like. If you like, don't mind. Wave's tentacle. But you see, that's that's what he says. That's what he says on Twitter. Um, Yeah, well, so that's what you see now, listeners. If you send us your stuff, that is the level of positive review we can get. We actually hate the game. No, we're not kidding. That's a joke. That's a joke. (laughs) Um, How can you hate that game? Go and buy it. It's spelled C H A. Apostrophe A L T. Yes. Chalt. Chalt. So go and buy that now. And whatever you've heard about Venger, don't worry about it. I mean, this is this is looks like a fun game. And if you like uh, rude pictures, check out Alpha Blue. Yeah, yeah, we'll be reviewing Alpha Blue soon. Excellent. Actually, one of our listeners invited me to, because he he asked me on like a, a DM um, what we were reviewing next. I think, and I yeah. just said oh, I'm reviewing Chalt, and he's like, "What's that?" And I'm like, "It's the by the guy that did Alpha Blue," and he's like. Oh yeah, what's that? And he immediately went and bought them both, and we're going to play in a play-by-post game on Discord. Yeah. And um, he changed my name, but I think I'm going to stick with this for my character's name yeah. uh, to Flesh Gordon. Nice. Which I think nice. is a really Flesh good. Flesh Gordon. That's very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very so, good. Um, yeah. So it's basically a big sleazy sci-fi thing. So hopefully I'm going to get to play That's that. But yeah, fun. everyone, buy Chult. Yeah, go get Chult. Bye. <laughs> oh no, we're going to go into another segment now. Bye. Dragon or Blagging? <laughs> Hello and welcome to Blagging or... <laughs> it's like my uh, um, Wild Died days. Do you remember when I just could not say a word properly ever? All yeah. I had to do was the contact details and I still got too fucking nervous and messed it up. Hello listeners and welcome to Dragon or Blagging. 
And what do we do in this segment, Nick? In Dragon or Blaggin, Cthulhu edition, I will give you a... Uh, I'll be giving you four potential adventure names. Yep. Three of them are Bullshite or Blaggin, and one of them is a dragon, which is the real one. So, and these, this is all based on Cthulhu. All Cthulhu inspired. On, on theme. On theme. So these are, yeah, so these are all potential, like I said, so you've got to uh, pick the correct, the real adventure out of these four. You ready? Very good. Yeah, I'm ready. Right, I'm, number I'm... one, let's start. So, which one is a real Cthulhu adventure? Is it The Fading Light? A Mother Always Knows? Born into Darkness? Is there a doctor in the mansion? I really like Is There a Doctor in the Mansion? If that's not a thing, we need to make that. Um, but I think it's A Mother Always Knows is the real one. <laughs> no. That's a good title, man. Oh, no, it's Born Into Darkness. Uh, that See, I thought that one sounded too obvious. See, this is really this is why this is fun, because um, the, 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 the more Cthulhu adventure names you read, you get a feel for it. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah, all yeah. right, okay. Right, so number two. No, it's nil points so far. Number two. The Watcher in the Wind. Mm-hmm. The Trail of Yig. A damnation to remember. The dark one always calls twice. Man, these are good. Um, what was the third one along? Uh, a damnation to remember. Yeah, because I think that's what it is. Wrong. What? <laughs> I suck at this. <laughs> or I just did really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the trail of Yig. Yeah, that sounds. Uh, <laughs> God. Okay, right. I'm starting to get a feel for this. Right, I'm going to get some right. points. I okay. know it. Number three. Go. The brooding hunger. Mm-hmm. A rose from the void. Yep. The ancient terror of Azeroth. Yep. Grave secrets. It's not the ancient terror of Azeroth because that's a World of Warcraft name. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. So I think it's a rose from the void. No. Oh my god. No, it's grave secrets. Mm. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> right, number four. You ready? Yeah. Sadly, yes. Is it a wee dram of danger? Mm. The beach at the end of the world. Yeah. The oozing despair. The darkest star will never shine. The darkest star will never shine. Nope. No, oh my God. <laughs> Which one was it? A wee dram of danger. Okay, I thought you made that up because I know you're you, you're into your Scottish type stuff. No, mate. A no, wee dram. Uh, so what I was actually so I found a cool website where it was um, Cthulhu Adventures by area. Oh right. So it was all different places around the world, and then any adventure that's been set in there. And I was just clicking on random ones. One of them was a Scotland one. That's a great idea. Yeah. So sorry, mate. Still no points. Right, I'm the get last this. one. The last I'm gonna one. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. Right. Okay. Is it drawn from anger, forged in fear? Mm-hmm. The night of the jackals. Mm-hmm. Once bitten, twice die. <laughs> Nick went a bit cross-eyed when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> this endless night. Um. Once bitten, twice die. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> See, that, that's the thing. When when this is a little tip for anyone wanting to write adventures out there, start with a name like that and then try to deliver on it because <laughs> yeah. that's really good. Once bitten, twice die is amazing. Thanks, I thought it'd be a good name for like a vampire adventure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is, that is cracking. <laughs> we you have none, to... mate. You got none. I can't believe it. I can't. That's it. That's my RPG cred in the gutter. Right, I need to write adventures for Kula Kafula clearly. It's. It turns out yes. I liked. Um, my other favourite one was um, the, uh, which I thought sounded really Cthulhu-y, was the, um, where was it? The, uh, which one was it? The beach one? Oh, the beach at the end of the world. I like that. I think it's good. I think it's good. It, it reminds me a little bit of that crappy video game, Death Stranding. Oh, yeah. Don't at me. Don't, don't at me. Thanks, mate. Well, that, and that's why I did it this morning, not last night, because my brain was dead last night. <laughs> <laughs> would have had toilet. <laughs> All right. Good, good segment, man. Thanks, mate. Let's do the Gadgetarium. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
the Gadgetarium. Welcome to the Gadgetarium. In this um, segment, what we like to do is highlight our favourite gadgets or magical items that you can use in your games. Yep. And of course, we've just written a supplement with 100 gadgets in it. Absolutely. So what we're going to do is we're going to highlight some of the cool ones from that. Is it lame? I don't know. But you can take these ones away for free and use them in your game. Yep. I'll start with my ones. Um, First up is the MindSafe 5000. Right, and in our book we have we don't give like a a price. Instead, we give a price rating. Yeah, and then you can you can come up with the price for it yourself because you know all different games, different economies, different exactly whatever fits for you guys. So yeah. the Mind Safe Five Thousand is a price rating of six, and here's how it goes: Are you the subject of a brutal interrogation, or perhaps your thoughts are being read by Brazilian psychics? Using the MindSafe 5000, you can store up to 2 megabytes of surface thoughts away, openable by a password. Simply hold the safe in the palm of your hand, stare intently at the sensor on the front, and think of something, then designate a password by saying that word out loud. Then, your thoughts will be semi-painfully torn out of your brain and safely stored away until you need them. Little handheld mind safe. Just stare at it. I love the. I love the uh, idea of just staring at this little box. Imagine if you, if people were interrogating you, and then you somehow got the box out of your pocket, and then and then just went bananas, and that's the <laughs> password. And and they were like, say bananas, you motherfucker. <laughs> no. Um, the next one is uh, I like this simply because of the comedy factor. Yep. Uh, is the leg disabler. <laughs> Price rating 7. This smooth metal stick has a single function and a single button. Press the button and a flash of light will emit from a bulb on the head of the stick. Anyone within 20 feet who is not wearing sunglasses will immediately lose the use of their legs for 1d6 minutes. <laughs> Love if you're being chased and suddenly everyone's just going to flop about Beep. on the floor. And then away they go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very good. Right, so I've brought a couple with me. Well, I want to point out one of the things we did do. Not all of the items are like quite as useful as that, but we wanted to ha- have a few in there where people could come up with their own fun ways well, to use it, them. Exactly. And I think this is a good example, your one. I hope so. Uh, so I've got the Row Butler. Uh, price rating of one, so it's nice and cheap. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this programmable tray on wheels is capable of accelerating up to two miles per hour. Wow. Use it to carry drinks or food-like substances into another room. The white begloved metal arm that is attached to the side of the tray has a single function, gesturing with an impeccable hand sweep. If you're attending a party away from home and want to impress, the road butler also folds down into a handy one-inch cube and can fit away in any pocket capable of holding a one-inch cube. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's a little tray with an arm attached to it wheels me- on the bottom it's meant to serve drinks but like like so if you're a butler or if you're in the kitchens you put the shit on that and then send it to another room but yep. what we thought is players can find uses for that by popping a grenade on it and driving it into another room <laughs> just sh- yeah, presents the, ha- the grenade yeah the handle gesture and then boom everyone's dead <laughs> that's got a price rating of one so it's pretty a pretty cheap. cheap thing yeah exactly one use item if you're putting a grenade on it but and speaking go. of utterly useless things this isn't one <laughs> uh, okay the next one is holographic balling a ball in a cup <laughs> price rating two so it's a little bit pricey in the road butler but hey the next revolution in ball in a cup technology now with scorekeeping functionality and cheer sound on every successful cup you score so that's it man I mean if you're if you're like fed up of regular ball in a cup where you go for the holographic ball in yeah, a mate. cup I mean that's one I really can't think of a practical use for other than maybe impressing a child well I was just about to say you know a, there might be a child emperor you can always you can always say to somebody yeah exactly child emperor or you can say to somebody look I've been practicing ball in a cup. It's only one way to settle this fight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's just four out of one hundred. And believe rigid. me, there there are some there are some pretty whacked out ones in there, like the cleaning mech who can fire a blast of jiff at anyone that gets in its way, <laughs> or the Porto Brian. 
Yeah, there's the Porto Brain, and then there's the Porto Brian. It's a little can you open, pour it on the floor, you get a uh, a, a red shirt, very basically from man. yeah from uh, yeah from Star Trek, and this stupid idiot will do anything you tell him. Or the micro microwave. Yeah, yeah. If you want a microwave an almond or a single pea, there there's the go. micro microwave. So go but check yeah. it out, please. And if you like it, let us know. Yes, one hundred weird widgets. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, let's do some electro letters, shall oh, we? Bloody hell! In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir, is the Electro Letter. So today on Electro Letters, we uh, we, we asked you for the worst games you've ever played to tell us your stories. And we got some from Reddit, some from Facebook, some from Twitter, so we're going to go through them. Um, first one comes in from Aerospider. <laughs> Love fucking love Reddit usernames. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Um, Username at, checks out. You've been on that one yet? Uh, no. I'll send it to you later. At a club's open day, three adult guys had set up a big, exciting table of scenery featuring a city, fields, hills, forest, ruins, etc. They GM'd together for about eight players at a time. Each player got a mini and a character sheet, but there were no stats, no equipment lists, and nothing by the way of character, history, or description. Wow. Just a name and a mini. We had to save the city from an imminent demon invasion by hunting the lands for ma- for a magic sword, magic shield, and magic bow, but the challenges were all horribly contrived. For example, <laughs> in the temple, we had to select the correct three runes out of 22 possibilities and in the correct order, while an unkillable thing chased us around the room oh, without on. ever catching us. <laughs> so Benny Hill style. Yeah, we had literally no information to go by, and so eventually picked three at pure random, and it worked. The odds of that would be one in 9,200. <laughs> 140. <laughs> He's done the numbers. Yeah. The big finale went exactly like this. Oh no, a big demon is flying towards you. I shoot it with the bow. Oh no, a big demon is shooting magic at you. I deflect it with the shield. Oh no, a big demon has landed right beside you. I kill it with the sword. Oh no, a big demon is flying towards you and so on. <laughs> That does sound bad. Pretty bad. I hate... Well, because I, I played in a game once... Um, actually, I'll save mine, because mine's quite similar. Okay. My, my worst game ever, and I'll save it, and it's very similar to that. Next next up, uh, a Reddit user by the name of Altogether Guy. He says, The rest of the party wouldn't let us stop planning. We needed to speak to the boss of a warehouse. We could just open the door and go in and speak to him, but no, it's D&D, so it's got to be more complicated than that. <laughs> what, if I, what if I go around the back, then you around the front before going around the back, and then you go around the front and go around the back while I look through the front to see if you're at the back looking at me at the front before I go around the back again? <laughs> about an after, an, uh, after about an hour, and any actual I do this being negated with weight, we should plan for this instead. I said it was all stupid. <laughs> What I like is is the altogether guy. He's he's very polite about that. I was expecting him to say after about an hour of this rubbish, I got up and walked away. I walked and out he just went, house, "This yeah. is stupid." And then everyone went, "Agreed, agreed." <laughs> oh, bless him. We got Vesso man, uh, Vesso M. Yep. Uh, more than ten years ago, the DM D and D created a scary atmosphere, and just when we bought it and started freaking out, he told us. It's just a freaking CR1 wolves, you noobs. <laughs> like, what's the point of building up all this atmosphere? He's, he's like, right, you, you hear something stalking you. You see these glowing eyes in the woods, and as you run, you trip over some vines, and they're like, fucking hell, we're going to die. And he's like, it's just a wolf, you fucking noobs. <laughs> yeah, come on. Roll up the table and walked out. 
<laughs> Daniel Irwin, he says, Not a bad game necessarily, but my first game upon returning to the hobby was Deadlands Classic. And, all the, and although I loved the setting, I got very frustrated by the GM and one of the players. In one session lasting three hours, we all we managed to do was walk up a road into a town. Oh, wow. That was it. The rest of the session was consisted mostly of the players in question and GM arguing over oh. the rules. No pacing whatsoever, just nothing going on. Loved the setting, hated the game. Fair play. Uh, that sounds so boring. Yeah, I mean, I I, I might have told this. How can you argue about Savage World rules? It's not even that hard. Yeah, well, you'd be surprised. Well, I mean, yeah, that's true. Yeah, there, there was a time once where um, there was I, I, one of our players that we played with before, Phil, who doesn't listen to this, so we're all right. Oh, we're all good. Um, he said that he's been playing the same D uh, and D game for two years. Oh my god! And he's yeah. been in the same combat for two years that's right standing in the same space swinging because none of them can ever agree on rules so they spend about half an hour actually playing yeah and then three hours three four hours arguing, arguing. yeah <laughs> and so like it happens hell yeah Stephen van der Weyer, he says many years ago a friend was excited about running werewolf the apocalypse game it was a new system to us, but the group had had a lot of fun building our characters and getting excited about the lore and game world. In our first session, as our mission was being set up, all of the players reacted similarly with unease at the prospect of being led off by an NPC, and my character voiced the group's concern in a semi-confrontational way. This blindsided the GM, and I was told that my character had offended the Elder, and his only recourse was to take a ceremonial dagger, head out to the nearby woods, and commit ritual suicide. So that's what he did. Total playing time was about 25 minutes. <laughs> he had something he did... He- Caught yeah. him off guard. Yeah, right, well, you like, go kill yourself then. Yep, you know, you know, it's 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 written in the in the ancient law of the werewolves. You have to kill yourself. And then I I like to think of the DM just sort of you know when you close a book hard and just go case closed. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Good night. Poor bloke. I know that Poor is Steve. bad. Lewis Pineda, he says so many to name. Oh, he needs to come play with us. <laughs> he really does. He, he, on all of these ones where we talk about bad shit, he's always coming he's in. He's got loads. Yeah, but the top of the ship he. But at the top of the shit heap is Amber. Based on a book or a book series, a friend thought it would be a good idea and bought it to the game night years ago. It's more of a group story writing exercise, no randomizer at all, and if someone has a better score than you, you simply lose. <clears throat> Sneak attack on someone with a higher fighting skill and you can't overcome oh, it. They will on. parry or dodge no matter what. He insisted we'd go with the flow. <sighs> Our group had no problem playing defeatist games like Paranoia or Call of Cthulhu. This was horrible, though. Yeah, that just sounds like you're not just not doing it properly. Well, have some it does. It does sound like that because I've heard of a diceless game system. I can't remember what the original was called. Mm-hmm. But there was a new version made by RPG pundit called uh, Lords of Olympus, where you play gods and it's diceless, so it works like that. If you've got a higher score, you beat me. So the game becomes about leveling the playing field so that you can take their score down, oh, so that you can beat them. Right, okay. So it's more about creatively overcoming stuff rather than actually rolling dice that's, that's so alright if I wanted let's say for example I'm playing like a really tricksy god yeah. right? and you're playing somebody with a high fighting skill I know I can't beat you it's just a fact you're right. a god and you're yep. more powerful than yep. me so what I could do if I wanted to take you on a one on one fight was set traps make sure that you're distracted uh-huh. do things like yeah, that I see. Be a bit and it probably sounds technical. like this amber system maybe that's what you're supposed to do maybe but then I guess if you sneak up on someone and you've got the drop on them it should therefore lower Balance their skill out a bit, yeah right? that's yeah, what I'm exactly. thinking they don't just automatically imagine every time you get a sneak attack and they just go haha I know you're there <laughs> yeah, yeah every time <laughs> yeah that's shite next one comes in from Sean Hunt 
Warhammer 2nd Edition. Great subversive adventure where you start off fighting a dragon. The fatigued party then go to a hotel where the adventure really begins. Turns out the owners are doing a Texas Chainsaw Massacre and you are next. <laughs> what a great concept for a fantasy game. Mm. Not when the DM tries to make a two-hour adventure last four hours. <laughs> Took half an hour at a convention to set up his laptop when we were supposed to be playing at that time. And not only that, he lacked any sort of enthusiasm and was oddly arrogant. <laughs> Told us we couldn't do things and took the vibrancy out of what should have been a great adventure. Ouch. That was at the same convention where we I had know, a two-hour exactly game. Where he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Supposedly, like as well, there was a point in that game because it was Sean and James who've both right. been on the show before. Supposedly, in that game as well, James's character was a surgeon, right? A barber surgeon. Oh, barber surgeon. Yeah. There was a point where Sean, one of Sean's limbs, was infected, and James goes, "Right, I'm going to just try and heal Sean's limb," and the DM just sort of blatantly ignored him, despite the fact he was the only one talking, and then just went on to someone else. So, uh, what are you doing? He didn't like that then. Yeah, yeah. Oh dear. I remember hearing. Because we, we record audio of our convention games often to use in the podcast. Yeah. I remember hearing some of the audio and it sounded really dull. Where this guy was like, Right, this guy lunges up to you. And one of the guys said, in the, This is bad, but in the most nerdy voice I've ever heard, he went, Don't you better back off or I'll run you through. <laughs> I don't know why that stuck with me, but him, it was like he was trying to be threatening, but it just sounded so bad. Do you reckon there should be like some sort of a. Um, so, you see, like, you know, in order to drive a car, you need to pass your driving test to get a license, right? Do you reckon there should be like a DM license? DM license yeah, absolutely. You have to get to prove that you're not dick. At least at cons. Because most <laughs> yeah. people's horror stories come from cons. Exactly. Isn't it? Because the people that go to the, the you know, I'm, I'm sure this happens, like, people that run games at cons. They think that they do the best game in the world. Of course they do. And, and maybe the only people they play with are people that go, yeah, it's really good. I think I've been really lucky. Well, we both have with yeah. our con games because we've played crackers. mostly good ones. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, we've had some... I've played some games where it's been world-class gems and we've had some that were bloody awful. <laughs> yeah. um, and there's... I mean, we'll get to our worst games at the end of this and I think I, think I know what yours is going to be. <laughs> but um, Owen Lean comes in. He says, right, well, the first campaign I played in was utterly awful. <laughs> A players versus GM one-upmanship bullshit fest in the Deadlands universe. Is <laughs> Deadlands just a track shit then? <laughs> Must have. I could honestly fill a book with the awful games, like the time the GM put us in a completely unwinnable situation just so his PC could come in at the end and Dave Yar by killing the Sundance Kid. I don't know what Dave Yar means, um, <laughs> but whatever. So, and gaining the top OP relic guns that he designed. What? So, final encounter, somebody swoops in, it's the pl- the, the GM's great guy. Oh, we've heard we've stories about this before, haven't we? Yeah. And So, if you GM and you can't have your NPC nickel on fucking limelight... The PCs are supposed to be the cool ones. Let them be. I mean, uh, it's just crazy. I've never even dreamed of doing that. No. Like, you might... Uh, I might do that to end this D&D campaign. The end of that's coming up soon. Oh, oh guys, look, it's this random It's dude. Randolph Mc... Gubson, he comes in and saves the day. And takes all the cool loot. <laughs> yeah. I've got this chest of gold, boys. I'm off to the See park. See you later. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Trevor Hurst, he says, my worst game was a Savage Worlds at a convention. The description was that our office party was on a Disney cruise ship and then we got quarantined for what turns out to be a zombie virus. Sounds pretty cool, right? Yeah. Well, the GM was obviously a huge fan of Disney cruises. <laughs> for a visual gaming aid, we got to look at pictures he took of his last family <laughs> vacation on a Disney cruise. He also explained how great the cruise was and all the fun Disney-themed things we could do. He Did he work for Disney? I was just about to say he was a rep. <laughs> he asked us what Disney meals we wanted and what sort of Mickey Mouse entertainment we wanted to enjoy we also got to see pictures of their really amazing terrain pieces he built for other games he had run before (laughs) our Disney cruise game had only buttons from a natural Disney cruise that we could wear 
Oh, God. So, so this is all the effort I put into another game, but not this one. But have a look at a picture of it. Yeah. <laughs> it was an infomercial family album themed game. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. My second worst game was at the same convention, the last day of GaryCon. I was so hungover, tired, and brain dead, I could hardly function. While an amazing GM was running us through a game of Trailer Park Shark Attack, nice. the other players at the table were great gamers and from New York, so they were naturally funny to me because of the way they talk and their laid-back, intense attitude. But I was a mongoloid wolf flower who could hardly roll dice let alone contribute with wit and intelligence my wife who was gaming with us was even more hungover than i was when it was all over we left the table feeling nauseous and ashamed we went to the lounge and drank bloody marys until we felt good again oh bless (laughs) so what do you guys think happened one of the players robbie played with got carried away and killed him well that's kind of far out mazes and monsters is a far out game swords poison Spells, battles, maiming, killing. Hey, it's all imagination. Is it? Yes, definitely. I'll be talking to you. Alright, see you later. Okay, um I saved this one till last because I think it's I just think it's amazing. So we're gonna we're gonna do this one. Um yeah, um this one comes in from Guile RSK. And he says, recently played in a Spongebob-themed cyberpunk red red convention game. Was hyped to be either Mr. Krabs or Squidward. Four guys showed up as a group. One of them had talked to the others into how awesome it would be. The others knew literally nothing about Spongebob at all. The sixth guy was about 17 and spent the entire game in an Asperger's freakout. I am aware and try to be respectful of mental illnesses and struggle with my own. But attempting to moderate with his did not approve the soon-to-be difficult situation anyway. Krabs was an NPC and the kid took Squidward so I was stuck with Sandy Pearl on Mrs. Puff. I took Sandy. The guy who'd convinced his friends to join played Patrick and immediately began murder-hoboing his way through cyberpunk Bikini Bottom. He convinced Mrs. Puff to ram her boat directly into the chum bucket and proceeded to machine gun Plankton's guards. It was only went downhill from there. I laughed a lot because if I didn't laugh, I was going to spend the rest of the time crying. <laughs> oh dear. That come from Reddit. That is as mad, I isn't it? it? Yeah. I mean, fucking s- cyberpunk SpongeBob. Brilliant. What I like is that he he felt you know when you have have a character, it's not di- respecting the law. He was like that <laughs> with SpongeBob. It was yeah. like, you, I want to be Patrick. No, <laughs> so good. Um, we did actually have a couple of general questions as well, but before we get into that, let's talk about our worst games we've ever played. Oh, oh fuck it. Hell. So, uh, our mind's obvious, man. It's going to be... Um, so, as a lot of people may be aware, Gamma World, right, is mm-hmm. is a, uh, you know, sci-fi, retro, fucking uh, post-apocalyptic game for D&D, right? Um, and... Back in the day, um, I, there was a guy I can't remember his fucking name. Oh, David Oakham, right? Yeah. And David Oakham, uh, he was he was typing something about gra- gram- grammar world and accidentally um, gamma world and accidentally misspelled it grammar world, world right? Grandma. As in grandma, grandma. And um, yeah, he made this great setting where you play as grandmas and you have all these cool abilities. And I played a game of Savage Worlds at a convention where the guy had converted, and I'm doing quotes with my fingers here, converted Grammar World to Savage Worlds, and he hadn't, right? All he'd done was just take the abilities, and he'll say things like, this lasts for 1d6 rounds. That's fucking ages in Savage Worlds, right? (laughs) And it was all of this. And there was one where somebody could pimp slap people, but every time we said we did something, he would get us to roll but he didn't know the rules, so he would just say you succeed every time. There was one where I rolled a crit fail on trying to slap somebody, <laughs> and I still did it and killed him instantly, right? And it was insane. And the whole thing was him as a front to try and get us to make racist jokes as grandmas. And he oh, kept saying things. God. I, f- I think I've talked about this on yeah, here before, yeah, but... Yeah. 
it kept saying things like, um, you know, you guys are on the bus, and, and it's like a the bus driver's Mexican man, like you're Yo. like you're like, man, why is this beaner driving the bus, dude? And and that's how he spoke, and we were like, no, don't tell me what my character thinks. We tried to we tried to inject a bit of humor into it, like without being racist. But yeah. He just kept on bringing it back, and he's like. Somebody was an Irish grandma, and he, he was like, man, you love potatoes, man, because you're like a, a little Mick. You're a dirty Mick, man. Little leprechaun like, guy. Whoa. Come, come on, on mate. Because <laughs> I know that in, in England, the racist terms are very different. What I've just said there was probably really horrible. But, you know, it'd be the equivalent of somebody turning up with a bunch of Irish people at your game and somebody being like, you're just a dirty pikey, man. It was, like, <laughs> it was so bad. Yeah. My God. Yeah, and it was awful, and the whole thing was like that. We succeeded on everything. There was one, right, where... Um, he, somebody did a ranged attack on somebody, threw a brick or something, and the guy, um, he, he got a three. And, you know, you have to hit a four to hit. Yeah. And yeah. he goes, yeah, you hit her, man. man. And I just went, oh, actually, uh, ranged attacks are a four to Always hit. I didn't want to be a rule, rules rule and, he, and he just he just paused for a minute and just went, yeah, so you hit him. And I was like, ah! Oh and also, he was, he was pretending to look at notes on his phone, but one of the players at the table saw he was just looking at the home screen. And obviously... <laughs> The last, uh, most offensive part of the fucking game was that right at the end, we, we had to venture into this cave and kill some chickens. And then um, right at the end, he goes, you go into the bowels of the cave, man. Let me just get a picture of it. And he's working on his phone for ages. He's like, fucking internet here ain't working. Like, 25 minutes later, no joke, he comes up on his phone with a picture of a colonoscopy. And he goes, you're in the bowels of the cave. And he's showing uh, us actual bowels. Uh, yeah. That's terrible. Funny thing is, though, uh, one thing happened. I think I mentioned this on our Con and the Cob one, but... Um, the, the the following year, I did two panels at Con on the Cob. Yeah. Did a little couple of talks. Yeah. And I noticed I, I was doing one about weird RPGs, right? <laughs> and I, I was I was just getting my notes in order uh, before it started. And I looked up and I see him in the audience. He locks eyes with me and he immediately leaves. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's heard me complain about the game on the Wild Die. <laughs> mm. Oh, man, I'm out of here. <laughs> this asshole again. He didn't yeah. want to be racist. Goddamn dick. <laughs> no, what they call us? Um, what's the Limeys. What's it? I was going to say, derogatory term for. Goddamn crumpet munching limey, slurping crumpet munching limey. Perfect. So, your what's your worst game? Bear in mind, I think the one you're going to talk about, he's never listened to the show and never will. Okay, fine. So, I was at a convention. Let's keep it at yeah. Once, and I don't know whether it was because I was tired from so much gaming. I don't know whether the GM was tired. I don't know whether everybody was tired or whether the game was just so un incomprehensible but I just didn't have a clue what was going on so it was a Deadlands Noir game mm-hmm. um, and that's about as far as I can go with it I can't remember what happened it was well was I've heard so stories confused. about it and apparently everyone met up in the in the toilets in the break and spoke about it and were like do you know what's going on and nobody did what's happening. but what happened was I think the adventure and I've heard the talk from this from other people was that you guys had to get a photo of somebody for a newspaper right Right. Okay. and then um, once you, you did it in about the first five minutes and then, then the GM just went so what do you do now and everyone was like I don't know I'll go to the bar for a drink and yeah, you just yeah. spend the rest of the game just milling around and there was some crazy Crazy monologuing going on. I don't know what was happening. There's a fight. There's. I think it's fine to have you know downtime where you do shit, but yeah. maybe not in a convention game. You know. Yeah. And oh god. You could have like a scene where you go right. You're in town. What do you guys do? And yeah. Then you yeah. Build exactly. off of it. But it but was very confusing. And apparently, right at the end, one player who's a guy in our group, Ryan, he, he, they were so bored that he went just gotta tie up some loose ends, swerved the car around, and crushed a bunch of policemen. It's, yeah. And I remember you saying <laughs> like shooting people in the end. I, I kept seeing you look over at our table as well because we were playing. Um, 
uh, what was it? Uh, I Dark Overlord. Yeah, a really, yeah, really that's brilliant. Right. You lot were just all rolling up, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. We were we were cracking up, and over at the table, I just saw you lot looking really sad. Oh, and but, all I could visualise in my head was like, because it was so hard to comprehend, it was just like this bar that was just filled with mist because I couldn't. I don't know whether that was happening or whether that was my mental representation. I think it, of I it. Think it was. I think it was a bad game because a lot of the people did detest to the fact that they didn't know what was no, going on. No, that's fine then. And I'd like to also add that um, I've played another game uh, with this GM and he's fantastic. He, yeah, if he ever figures out who it was, he, he is an amazing, amazing GM. GM. Um, but we got uh, a yeah. um, we got general questions, so let's move yes, on to let's that. Do them. John the Paladin, he says, <laughs> what's the weirdest YouTube hole you've ever fallen down? Oh, fucking hell. I've gone down a lot, my Oh, friend. mate, I've been down so many. Um... What's that one you were on about recently? There? Oh my god, the yeah that Batavia. Um, so it was like the the largest massacre in Australia or Australian massacre that ever happened, and it was like um, a Dutch boat that set off down uh, off you know in the 1660 uh, or whatever set off to the um, West Indies and got shipwrecked and the like 300 people had to live on these tiny islands and eat seals and they started killing each other it was insane yeah I often get on ones like that as well where you're on YouTube and suddenly you get a recommended that's like fucking because the recommended videos it's really hit or miss sometimes they do a great job and you're like oh thank that's you that's good YouTube. yeah nice one but like um, yeah I, I remember once the, the other day I, I sometimes I watch like creepy videos and then I get Me recommended too. serial killer ones yeah, you know, oh, and they're a, always yeah. interesting crime yeah, but the, the, crime. the, um, the weirdest one was I, I was like uh, I was scrolling down the recommended list and I saw a thing that was how to clean a grill in six minutes and I thought that's weird because I've never gone on YouTube about anything about grilling or anything like that and I thought there's going to be like a joke to this right it's going to be a meme and I sat there for six minutes and I was about three minutes in and I scrolled to the comments and um, all of it was like thanks YouTube recommendations (laughs) I didn't know I wanted to clean a grill and now I do (laughs) must have been a fuck up then yeah and um, there was another one I've fallen down and this is genuinely interesting recently I got recommended a rapper called Viper have you heard of this guy no I've not heard of Viper he is a man that is he he got out of prison and he'd written so many songs uh, that he just wanted to get home lay them all down right. he made 247 albums in a year right what? albums not songs because well, he wrote so much in prison uh, yeah yeah and they're, they're terrible they're oh, terrible right. okay. and they, they just called things like like really memey names like google tech support or i oh, created the coronavirus what? but his um his album names are really funny because there's one called Yule Cowards Don't Even Smoke Crack. And it's it but it's not Yule as in Y A L L L. It's not like you you will or yeah. So you you will cowards don't even smoke crack. There's one album he's got called I Seen a Skull, which is a great name. But their songs are so weird. Like, Humble Boast. I've seen a skull. They're really weird. Like they 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 range from just him speeding up a song, then rapping over it. But you can never hear what he's saying. Never. And all of the videos were obviously green screened and filmed for something else. Because he's he's rapping. You can see him on there, like dishing money out. But he's not. The the mouth doesn't sync up with the song at all. Something else. And um, yeah. it's really funny because over the years, right, he's made 247 albums. So if we are to just multiply that by 10, so yeah. 10 songs per album. Then he's made two thousand songs, and there was a playlist I found that was that was called "Actually Legit Good Viper Songs," and there's seventeen songs in there. But it's prolific. Yeah, they, but one, of, one of the songs, the self-titled song, "Your Cowards Don't Even Smoke Crack." He's like, "Your cowards don't even smoke crack." What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, good question. Good question. <laughs> yeah, Viper man, look him, him out. Viper, it's, yeah. it's utterly mental. I'm Apparently, on that. his business ethos was that he wanted to get as many songs out there, so inevitably people would end up buying them. And well, yeah, he just wanted to saturate the market entirely with terrible <laughs> songs. 
Yeah, it's quite bad. Nice one, Viper. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's the weirdest YouTube hole I've fallen down, or at least the most recent one. Yeah, there's loads. I mean, anything true crime. Oh, God. Don't, yeah, don't get into like tr- oh, true the, crime The true crime stories. top 10 list oh, said it was. Oh, my God. Oh, that SCP one. ones as well. Anything SCP. I do like SCP. Yeah, But um, there was one... Um, that we've stumbled across and I'm sure loads of people have who's the YouTuber who talks like that <laughs> you remember the one it's like yeah. if you saw this scary footage from a CCTV camera shows a ghost do you think it's a ghost would you be scared if this came into your house or is it just a hoax yeah the way he talks is you like, can't hear you have to tell him you off. always see the, the comments on it is always the scariest thing about this video is that guy's voice it's so true and it's like the titles are great it's like 10 terrifying CCTV footages and you always like, watch it yes. it's like a chair moving yeah. in the middle of the night <laughs> nightmare <laughs> I do the sound I'd get that but also but with alien footage I know it's all rubbish oh, but yeah, for some reason too. I like to watch it and just see how, how, what standard the fakes have come up to nowadays that's true that's true and also the ones that the ones that um, do generally scare genuinely scare me are the ones that are uh, like um so they do. They'll be filming, um, you know, paranormal investigation, whatever. They do a load of stuff. They put it on there, and then the obvious, the obvious shit is like obvious. But then someone in the comments will be like, "Did you not see that face in the background?" I hate that. And you're like, "Ah, oh, they I didn't even that. know." It terrifies me. And if it was a hoax, they would have like gone on about it, right? So, but and but they I didn't always, even see it. And what I always do as well is that like, I always watch it in bed at night, at and night I'm time. like, "This is terrible." Oh. Sleeping with the light on tonight. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah, it, one that I, I don't know why it freaked me out, but years and years ago, it was like a really obvious one, really obvious. But for some reason it freaked me out. I must have been like thirteen or fourteen, and it was this. Um, it was these Portuguese kids are playing this, you know, really potato quality camera footage, <laughs> and then this little gnome just dances up behind them, <laughs> and all the kids go ah, and start running away. I don't know why, but it freaked me out, man. I love any of them that are like in Saudi Arabia because they often pray out loud, really loud. So like, if oh, they yeah. start seeing something paranormal, they're like, oh, yeah, they yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, sorry, that's terrible. But that it's, is a bit racist. It's, it's, no, it's brilliant. But it's uh, it's Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. They obviously pray. It. So the way they try and get rid of ghosts is by um shouting out prayers to them right and it's just fantastic well, you watch the ones of English people and they're just like oh fucking hell Ron oh, no it's always not, not, but to be fair we have got a lot of uh, it's funny because any top five haunted paranormal things three of them would be over here actually this is a really good opportunity actually I know that we the podcast going a bit long but to tell you about my own paranormal experience right because um, I once I once saw I think a time travelling car <laughs> now let me tell you this story right? some more context. here's what happened um, see in my flats right you, you have to walk down the stairs to get out of the back right yes. and in the hallway with the stairs in there's a tiny window me and the woman from downstairs just happened to cross paths at the exact same point where we were by the window and as we do that we see a fucking car you know my front garden yep. plowing over the fields crashes into a wall and we both happened to see it and we just looked at each other like what the fuck we went outside right and you know the way my front garden's set out so there's two walls they're very narrow Yeah. you couldn't get into that that other wall without hitting the first wall <sighs> but somehow he did and he was going must have been about 40 50 miles an hour really fast utterly obliterated the wall so it's like how the fuck did it get wow, in there without de- destroying the weird. wall or the plants or anything and then the the weirdest thing was so we saw as it was crashing that there wasn't anyone in the driver's seat. Just a bloke, right, who was a driving instructor in the other seat. There was nobody about <gasps> and he gets out of the car and he's like 
what what's going on what's going on and we we were like mate you you're us, right. mate. <laughs> he's probably concussed but he's like what's going on and we said to him we were like you're right mate he's like i was i was just at home i don't know what happened <gasps> I, was, what? I was at home and then and, and he was looking around all confused like he didn't know how he got there it probably concussion but Still, it was crazy. There's no way you could have weird. driven a car into that. that Defies science. At that speed, if you'd have done it slowly, you could get round yeah, without avoiding yeah, yeah. the wall. But yeah, he's wow. absolutely destroyed. It was. It and was... the person driving never to be seen. Yeah. Well, that, exactly. That no driver. Weird. Mate. It was fucking weird. Uh, mine's not as good as that. I had a, I had a dream when I was a kid uh, that there was like a hand just scratching on the glass window of my bed because my bed was right next to my window. Oh right. Yeah. And I remember it waking me up and I was thinking, oh gross. And then I thought, oh, well, let's just check. And then I pulled the curtain and a fucking black cat right sitting outside had just hissed at me. <laughs> that I is weird. Still the dream though. It might have been the cat scratching exactly. on the window and I heard yeah, it yeah, yeah. About it. but tell you what it was just, yeah, you, do, you don't expect to see anything there right and I pulled the curtain black cats yeah because you just want to check and, then yeah. there's a, and black cats are obviously bad luck no they're so. not because I have one they're good, oh, luck. Right. they're good luck over here. They're yeah, because you're doing all right. So, I'm doing all right. You haven't right. died yet. Not died yet. Yeah, she's well, anyway, in front of me all the time. Sorry about that um, diversion there, listeners. That was our paranormal story. Well, maybe we should start a paranormal pod. I, I have thought about that because this town has got loads of weird shit happening. Just here. this country. We're, like, we're, we're, we're sport for choice with weird shit. Yeah, definitely. All right. But let's do an outro. Oh, and yeah. maybe if you want to hear more paranormal stories, because we've got loads, um, message us. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, let us know. All right, so uh, let's do an outro, shall we? Yes. Yes. Outro. Yes. Coming. Come on. All right. By Grabthar's hammer. What a savings. So um, obviously today we've spoken about 100 weird widgets, right? That's a product. Mm -hmm. What we're going to do from now on, we're trying to, we're going to aim and hopefully hit it. We're going to either... Uh, we're going to try and release products more regularly yep. for you guys to buy. They're all going to be cheap um, products, uh, hopefully with nice layouts, mm -hmm. nice look to them. But they're going to be, you know, on the cheaper end. So yep. stuff you can pick up and things like this. And we're going to try to release one one a month. Yes, we are. Um, and don't hold us to that. But we will try. We're going to try our best. Yeah. Um, we've actually got the next one nearly comp completed mm -hmm. as well. We've we've written a uh, zero level funnel adventure for DCC where you escape out of a prison. Yes. And it's called Escape from Station Seventeen, heavily inspired by Half Life, mm -hmm. and it's um yeah it's a really fun funnel adventure with a lot of weird weird shit in there. Yeah. And um yeah so that should be coming out soon and um we'll stay tuned basically absolutely we'll, we'll do a little preview of on it on the pod as well okay. and make sure if you go into drive through RPG I think you can follow publishers yep. just look up 3T RPG publishing that's us and uh yeah just can't miss it little teacup exactly 3T cup there you go clever stuff um yeah email us at 3TRPGpod at gmail.com and of course if you like this crap either buy one of our products or um, so, uh, sub, sub to us on Patreon you yes, know sing us a buck yeah. um, and buy Chalt obviously it's fucking well good yeah, yeah. and I just want to say I'm, I'm having a bit of a busy week because I'm going on Spellburn podcast tomorrow oh, night oh you are aren't you I'm so excited oh, so mate, yeah um, tune into Spellburn the DCC podcast and you'll hear me on there tomorrow yes pimping my shit and also I'm going to be talking about uh, running a campaign in DCC excellent yeah um, and specifically actual plays as of well of course so, yeah, yeah. We've, done, we've done a little bit of that that's about it isn't it yeah I think that is mate so I've been Harrison Hunt I've been Nick Lamley and remember that D20s are cool but 20Ds now that's a good time oh yeah goodbye let's get a pint <laughs>